It's a, it's a, it's a due pleasure and a treat to be back here. I served here for a couple of years, as Abuna said. Um, so I, I, I jumped at the chance when I, when I was asked to, to speak today. Of course, I'm not worthy in the presence of Abuna and my brothers and my fathers and the teachers here today. But um, uh, today I want to talk about one of the, one of the yani, many themes of the day, um, of the day of Wednesday and the eve of Thursday. Um, so today, the theme, or most most people would say that the the main theme is is betrayal. Betrayal, in a sense that we are focused today on Judas and his betrayal of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it isn't the actual betrayal. It isn't. I'm sorry. The actual act that that uh, constitutes the betrayal, but it is actually the plot. And that's how, we, that's how we commemorate the day, that's how we commemorate the moment in time, that's how we commemorate in the church tradition the presence of Judas in history as the vessel for um, execution of, of the divine plan in the salvation of, of humanity. So just to set the scene, Today, uh, in the life of Christ at this time, um, our Lord Jesus Christ was least busy. He had very few things to do today. Taban this week is full of a lot of events, and um, we will read about a lot of them starting tomorrow morning, throughout most of the day, and throughout the evening. Actually, tomorrow is the longest liturgical day in the church, and in terms of hours of prayer. Um, so there's a lot happening tomorrow, and of course, Friday, um, the crucifixion. Um, but today, our Lord Jesus Christ wasn't really busy. He spent the day in Bethany uh, with his disciples, and he tried to stay away from the crowd. Uh, we all He knew what was going to befall him, and he knew who it was going to come from, and he knew when it was going to come. So staying away from the crowd is only important because Taban, as we read uh, in Lazarus Saturday, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, uh, they were looking to put him to death because of the, the many signs and the wonders that he was doing. And they were obviously asking each other, who is this guy and where is he coming from and, and how can we get rid of him? They wanted to put him to death. They wanted to re-kill Lazarus and they wanted to, to put to death our Lord Jesus Christ. So... Uh, that's kind of what was happening right now uh, during that time and they were the Pharisees and, and uh, the Jews at the time were scared of the crowd because our Lord Jesus Christ was a fan favorite he had a lot of followers and he was always surrounded by people so it is of importance to note that he chose seclusion today to put everything into motion so he leaves the temple for what would be the last time, he knew that obviously, and doesn't intend to return. And he's just hanging out with his disciples and he's teaching them and he's preparing them for his void, for the time that he is not there. Um, and he's trying to hearten them and he's trying to tell them things that would bring them together as a group um, because he knew that there was a piece of this group uh, that was going to be breaking off. So. During this time, uh, Judas is plotting. And the plot I want to emphasize 
is the reason for the day. It's the reason why we fast on Wednesdays. It's the reason why, you know, Fridays, we, fa we fast Wednesdays and Fridays uh, in the non-Holy 50. It's because of the plot. It's not because of the kiss. That's what I was told as a, as a child, and that's wrong. The kiss happens tomorrow. Um, but we will, we will focus on the kiss for a minute, okay? But in order to understand what it is the betrayal meant, we have to define it. Um, so, I just looked it up in the dictionary, the regular dictionary, and it says, a violation of a person's trust or confidence of a high or moral standard. So betrayal isn't a lie, it's the step up from a lie. So someone who lied to you, just told you something that didn't happen or told you something that was not true. Um, someone who betrays you, um, was close to you, and had you had full faith and confidence in them as a person, and they, for whatever reason, decided to pledge loyalty to something or someone else. Okay, so we're going to focus on three quick points together uh, tonight. And that's the act itself, which is the kiss, as we said. And then Judas's perception in society, that'll be point number two. And the last point is our practical application of this story as we understand it. So... Uh, betrayal, as we just read the definition, is, is a very evil act, okay? Um, but Judas did it with a kiss. A kiss. Uh, the kiss is a, is a loving action. And he turned this loving action into something evil. Uh, we'll talk about that again in a, in a minute. Um, so this morning, did anyone attend morning and afternoon, or morning, afternoon, Basra? Um, it's a, it's a very eventful day. Um, so we heard of the plotting to betray Christ, but we don't actually read about the kiss, like I said, of betrayal until tomorrow night, because Christ goes uh, into the upper room with the disciples, he shares the Passover feast, and then he calls out Judas and he says, one of you will betray me. Uh, and then we go from there. Um, but this morning, today we read in the Gospel of St. Luke that Satan entered Judas, who was numbered among the twelve. Okay, this is in the Gospel of St. Luke. This is, I believe, in the third hour of the day of Wednesday. Uh, this goes to show that any kind of evil is possible when we are overcome by Satan. And his influence on us takes over our, what they call, our better angels. Your normal decision-making in your societal position in life, around the people that you're under, uh, the, uh, around the people that understand you and, and who you understand uh, to be right or to be true to you, okay? Judas was so close to our Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, our Lord Jesus Christ chose him as one of the disciples, okay? And so why would he choose someone if he knew later on something bad was going to come from that person? Well, Christ was giving him an opportunity, as he gives us an opportunity every single day. When we wake up in the morning, we have an opportunity to make sure that we are true to our own identities, to our, our faith, and to our Christianity as it has been given to us. Judas was being taught. Every day when we come to the church, we are being taught, except for maybe right now. But all the times that Judas was around Christ, he was seeing the works of Christ. He was, some fathers will tell you, 
he saw the works of Christ and he performed miracles himself. So he was given all of the graces of all of the, all of the disciples that followed our Lord Jesus Christ. So this kiss or this opportunity that Judas took um, is, a, is a little bit more daggerish, if you will, because it, he was one of the closest people to Christ and he knew, just because everybody else knew, everyone was in the know, that everyone was out to get Christ. So even Jesus realized that there was something a little paradoxical about being betrayed by Judas, his disciple, someone close to him, with a kiss, an act of love. So these are the things that we are focusing on. His closest proximity to Christ, both personally and emotionally, and the act itself. So common phrases for betrayal. Common phrases for betrayal. We don't normally hear, how could you do this to me? You, you gave me a kiss. Right? We don't hear that. We usually say, you what? Stab me in the back. Okay? Stab me in the back is, is because it speaks a little to the vulnerability of the victim. The victim is not looking. The victim doesn't see it coming. The victim b believes or trusts in the person that is behind him who then stabs him. It is, a, it is the ultimate loss of trust. Okay? So, how did this kiss... For us in this, in this particular scenario, how did this kiss turn from being something normal or something regular around this time? Everyone, they would greet each other with a kiss, like you would greet you know, all of your family and friends and aunts and uncles kiss, one cheek, sometimes two or three. So that's how this goes. They would greet each other this way. So the greeting itself is what, is what became problematic. Okay, Judas was not with the disciples at the time that Christ was speaking to them. But when we say stabbed in the back, we talk about vulnerability. Was Christ himself ever vulnerable? Like we, we, have, to, we have to unpack that just a tiny bit, okay? His humanity was vulnerable. He was a human being, okay? But his divinity never, of course, God forbid. And we say that over and over again uh, in the liturgy. Divinity parted not from his humanity for a single moment, nor a twinkling of an eye. So we know that these two are tightly knit, his divinity and his humanity. But the, at this point, most of the humanity of Christ is on display for us as an example throughout his entire, this entire week and throughout his suffering. We see a lot of the times the physical pain that it causes him and the emotional pain that it causes him. Starting from when he was raising Lazarus, when he saw him in the tomb, he... He wept. This was one of his friends. So we have to focus on this, just kind of mentally separate these ideas, but we are talking about a, Christ, a Jesus Christ, the human being. Okay? Um, I was listening to a sermon by the thrice blessed His Eminence Metropolitan Hedra of blessed memory, um, and he once said, he said in this Arabic sermon, I tried to translate it, um, so forgive the poor translation, but to me it read, to me he said, uh, by, by treacherously identifying Jesus to the Jewish authorities with a loving kiss, Judas set into motion a series of physically and mentally painful events that became what we know now the foundations of the Christian faith based on God's love for humanity. That is to say, Jesus' arrest, his trial, 
his death by crucifixion, and eventually his glorious resurrection on the third day. So this became a little bit of a, of a backwards event, but a moment in time for us to focus on how something so wicked would lead to something so good for us. And it, it, was, it was a loving action, it was a wicked intention, and then the plan of salvation carries itself out, and who is the ultimate benefactor from that? Uh, all humanity, including us. So after this kiss, he becomes the most infamous betrayer in the history of humanity. But also, like I said earlier, the vessel for, you know, step one of, of human salvation. Obviously, if he wasn't, if he wasn't, uh, if he wasn't the guy, like if he wasn't chosen, if, he, if, if it wasn't, if it didn't come from him, because a lot of people ask, you know, why did Christ pick, obviously, one of his own, why did God pick one of his, Christ's own disciples to betray him? Um, if it wasn't, and if, if he did betray him, then, you know, this, this whole thing is wrong because then Christ is choosing and he's controlling and he's betraying himself and then the whole thing becomes weird. But obviously if Judas wasn't the guy, it would have been somebody or something else that sets, motion, sets into motion the plan of salvation. And just because our Lord Jesus Christ knew what was happening, that doesn't mean he was, he was uh, you know, controlling the situation or... He was, you know, motioning him around like a robot or anything like that. So Judas committed this sin of his own free will. Like I said earlier, he was given an opportunity to be close to Christ, to see all of the things that Christ was doing. And then of his own free will, he chose to go the wrong direction. So the wrong direction in this case was focusing on the most vulnerable time when he knew, because he was in Christ's inner circle, that Christ would be away from the crowd and that the greeting would be the best way to do this. And that greeting was, was with a kiss. So, moving on, I want to focus a little bit on how the church, in her wisdom, invited us um, as the congregants to think about Judas's words. Okay, because all of this happened, all of this plotting was words. He saw them going around, and then he saw Jesus doing a couple of things that, that the, the Jews weren't uh, big fans of. And then he kind of had like what they call like a misled authoritarian closism. Have you guys ever heard of that? Like, I want to be close to the authorities because they can do something for me, right? Um, so he's got that, like when you, when you go to work and you like suck up to your boss because you think you can get a, like, a promotion. Or is that just me? Okay, never mind. Uh, that's how this, that's how what drove him from the beginning. Um, he saw what their reaction was to what Christ was doing and said, perfect, this is my end. Um, so he goes to them and he says, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? This becomes a transaction now, a transaction of personal gain, personal benefit, and a transaction of absolutely self-indulgence. Okay. Um, the gospel, that, that quote is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, uh, chapter 26, verse 15. And the answer, obviously, is, is 30 pieces of silver. All right, we're all familiar with that, with that uh, monetary amount, which, by all accounts, meant nothing at the time. 30 pieces of silver is, is or was the price of a slave, essentially, and a bad slave at that. Okay, it's like 30, I want to say cents, but like, you know, 30 guinea, for example, like it, it didn't have any sort of value at that point. Okay, so 
This is what uh, what another father called greed for the deed. Okay, we should, we can remember that it's Judas's greed for the deed. It is a transaction for money. We do that all the time when we go buy stuff. So this is how easy it was for him, and this is this is a, a warning, you know, from the church that it, it is so easy to turn in the wrong direction, and it is so easy for us to look to something that is so attainable and lose sight of the long vision. So today we heard in the, in the psalm of the, of the third hour, um, of the eve of, of Thursday, the beautiful, beautiful hymn of Echinon. Um, it's a little long. It's chanted in the, in the Shami tune. Um, it's about like 15 minutes. If you were here in the third hour, you, you probably sat through it. It's beautiful. Um, it, this, this particular hymn elongates a song. Like the, the point of this, um, according to His Eminence, he gave a talk about this, uh, Metropolitan Amasrabi, he gave a talk about this one time saying, if you don't understand what's going on, it's just oh, oh, and ah, and ah, and whatever to you. Okay, that's fine. You just look at the screen or look at the book and figure out why this, is, why this part is this long. It's longer than the psalm, and some people think it's too, too long, and you don't understand anything that's going on. But it's an invitation for you to meditate on that song. Okay? Just the part that is in the Shami tune is only like six words. Okay? It says, His words were smoother than oil. This is the part that we are supposed to focus on. His words were smoother than oil. Not the kiss. That was just the execution of it. His words were smoother than oil. It continues on after that to complete the thought in, in, the, in the regular tune of Atribis, the Adribi tune, uh, Hazaini. And it says, uh, but these words that were smoother than oil, they are what? They're arrows. They're arrows. And this tune is said four times in the year only. Four times. Um, twice for Pekethronos, which is once yesterday and once on Good Friday, and twice for Avicinon, which is once today and once tomorrow morning. Um, because tomorrow morning also the focus will be on Judas because this is his plan. This is his, we are, we are going into step one of the plan. Um, so in the, in the church tradition, the procession of, of Judas, um, which is in the first hour of tomorrow morning, you, know, you, will, you will hear that if you come very early tomorrow morning, Daurat Yahuza, right, the procession of Judas, is around the church, but it's backwards, okay, it's backwards. So this is the only time in the church, once a year, that you will see this, because every time that we have a zephyr for something good, a procession for something good, we go, we go this way, we go counterclockwise, okay? Usually we go from the left side of the church to the right, but for Judas we go from the right side to the left. And I was reading several meditations and asking several fathers about this, and there were a couple of, a couple of uh, sort of cool meditations that stood out to me. Um, it's opposite, right? It's backwards. So it's from, it's from right to left, it's from good to bad, right? And we, we usually go from bad to good. Um, so uh, one father analogized it as it's just like we do in the sign of the cross. When you cross yourself, you say, 
They used to teach us in Sunday school or Benachadam and Sama, the Ard, Wahish, Hil, right? From the, the father to the son, from the bad to the good, right? And so that's how that's how we do this. I'm not, this is not an indictment, obviously, on other Orthodox traditions that go from the other way. Um, but that's just it's one meditation that we, we take that, it's one symbol. Um, and more deeply, the one I liked the most, and the one that's probably taught the most, Abuna can correct me if I'm wrong, is we go counterclockwise for a regular zephyr because God himself is outside of time. He's not bound or limited by time. So we remind ourselves of that by going counterclockwise into, in, in, insofar as to say that this is a celebration given to us by God who is outside of time. And um, with Judas, it's the opposite. We go clockwise, we go this way. And we go clockwise to mark this actual moment in time that we, are, that we focus so heavily on, that we dedicate the night and the day to, because this is Judas's moment in time. And this is Judas's moment for us to remember that this is the part where he separates himself from uh, being a disciple of Christ, being someone good, someone close that we can, that we can look up to into someone that, as we read in the exposition, some very harsh uh, language, language and some very, uh, very ill-fated thoughts on what we want to happen to Judas. May his name be eradicated from generations and may his, may his generations be cut and no one else be called Judas. Like we say, some terrible things about him, but that's because this was the moment that he chose to separate himself from Christ. Okay? So this... This exercise, if you come early enough tomorrow to see, is, is just the church leading us to the conclusion that Judas was a victim. He was a victim of his own ambition and his own greed. And these things blind even the strongest of men and, and women and even those who are closest to Christ at any time. We've seen a disciple fall. We've seen bishops fall and popes fall and all kinds. Like, no one is ever safe. And that repentance is where we get back on track. Okay, and this is like, you know, we read later on in the night or in the day tomorrow that Judas was, was so distraught by what happened. He went back to the temple. He threw the 30 pieces of silver back at them and said, I don't want this. This is, this is uh, blood money. Take it back. And they wouldn't take it back because like this is it's a transaction. It's complete and there's no, there was no returns apparently or refunds. So they, they couldn't take it back and he was very upset. And he didn't find that he had any recourse because he had permanently separated himself from Christ in his mind. So he hanged himself. So he made, he made you know, a bad situation worse. So enough about that because it's very depressing. So let's not talk about Judas for a second and let's move on to the betrayal and how we can, how we can you know, be aware of that and how we, can, uh, we normally think about this concept going forward how we don't have we can't so that we shouldn't betray Christ um, uh, on our own so one of the practical applications that I was reading about was having a baseline trust in God okay he created us he is our he is our he's our savior he is our master he is our father he is all these good things okay so this is your your allegiance is to him first before anything else okay so this is one of those things that if we put that in front of us as this is who we are serving, this is who we are here for, this is who our focus needs to be on, and everything else is a far, far second or third, way, way down the line, 
Okay, this should be a good barometer for us to measure ourselves. And if we fall, we know we have a recourse in salvation. We have the fathers, we can call Abuna at any time, maybe not any time, but you can call Abuna sometimes, <laughs> schedule confession, and just get rid of the, the, the pain and agony that you've caused your soul. So, we know this, yet we betray him all the time when we commit a simple sin, even the most simple sin. And this is where we talk about, when I talked about earlier, the ease of which we sin. Okay, a simple lie, for example. It's so smooth and so easy, sometimes it's subconscious. And so we have a simple lie or we have a simple curse word that slips or whatever, or for, you know, for the kids, the disobedience that comes so second nature, parents, you know, force you, force their kids to do wrong things or lie or whatever. These are all simple things that come to us and sometimes we, they, we just do it out of ease, okay? But sometimes the smallest things can have really, really big ramifications. And the example of that is the kiss itself. It's seemingly harmless on its face, but it had such a huge ramification for all of humanity. One of the things I like to rail about a lot when I speak is social media, because this is it's a pet peeve of mine at times. But sometimes you can post something that's not very edifying, for example. This goes for parents and kids too, I've seen it everywhere, myself included, of course. Um, you post something that's not very edifying or that's not very Christian, or that doesn't give the impression that you are living a Christian life, okay? We see this a lot during fasts, if you're fasting, or even if you're not fasting, that's fine, but then you compound that by like proving to everyone that you're not fasting by posting a very pretty picture of your In-N-Out burger or your steak or whatever, and, and then, okay, are we fat? And then people fall all the time because of this. If not for the want of whatever you're eating, it's for the judgment, because sometimes we fall into that as well. You say, well, what is this person doing? Are we supposed to be fasting? And then, and then you fall into a different kind of sin. Okay, this is a betrayal of our Christian responsibility, of our Christian responsibility. And in essence, this was given to us when you, when you, when your parents baptize you, when you come to church, when you're being taught in the church, and you are inside of the congregation uh, urbana. Like if you think of it as you are like one little tiny piece of the urbana, because the Buddha gives everyone, like we all make up that one whole. Okay, so there's no reason why for one of us you know, the rules don't apply to me because of whatever. That's a different kind of sin. So let's not think that way so that we don't have to fall into that and we don't have to talk about that afterwards, okay? When we do, when we do these things, especially if they are attention-seeking things, even if it's not the attention of a lot of people, it could be the attention of one person or whatever, we get accused of what Christ accused them, which is when he said uh, in the Gospel of St. John today, um, they're doing all of these things for they loved the praise of men more than they loved the praise of God. And this is powerful to us in two ways. It shows that we are committed to our humanity as a society, and we want to be accepted, but sometimes we take it a step too far. And we want to be accepted at the expense of Christ's exception of us. And our Lord Jesus Christ says that this is a, a model here for us to be aware of. 
And don't make, like I said earlier, don't make a bad situation worse. A bad, making a bad situation worse is the worst kind of uh, what some of the fathers call a compound sin. Something goes wrong and you try to cover it up and then it just gets worse and worse and worse from that. And this is also embodied in the example of Judas because after his betrayal, he betrayed Christ. Yes, we can all see that. That's Sunday school material. Okay, but then he betrayed himself. He betrayed himself and his own faith in the, in the person, the man that he was seeing and walking with and, and talking about and preaching with alongside and doing all of these miracles. Okay, and he called him master and Lord. And even up to the minute he greeted him, he called him rabbi, teacher, right? And so he's aware of who this person is and what his role is in human salvation. Yet he did not think to himself to go to him and say, please take this away from me. Please, I repent. I'm so sorry that this happened. So making a bad situation worse is a terrible, terrible thing for us. And it's embodied right there um, for us. This is a, a loss of faith. And that leads to hopelessness. And for us, that leads to many, many, many more um, dark things. But anyways, again, this whole situation, like this whole day is very backwards. Like we talked about so many things that were, that were backwards. And even if you do something wrong, you usually want to correct it by going the right way. He did something wrong and tried to correct it and went the wrong way somehow. Okay. So we cannot be backwards thinking. We have to be forwards thinking. And it's, 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 um, we had a warning of this on, on, on Monday, if anyone was here on Monday when Christ cursed the fig tree, he talked about hypocrisy, right? He talked about hypocrisy insofar as to say for us, this is the first step. Once you correct your hypocrisy, the rest is going to make sense, okay? And once you correct your hypocrisy, you will be able to see yourself in the light of who you truly are. And in your faith, you won't give that a second thought. As soon as something bad happens, you're going to run to a boon. I know people who used to tell me all the time, I'm so worried. I live, I, I'm, I'm out of state for school or I drive far. I live far now. I'm far away from my father confession. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do about confession anymore. Like I have to like sin less or, you know what I mean? And someone, we have a lot of priests in our diocese, thank God. Um, but there's that connect, like there's that want, that desire to always wash yourself of these things, which is an example that we should take. And we should always make sure that we are uh, faced forward and, and focused on, uh, for this time, our Lord's suffering and our own uh, introspection for us, for our own suffering, and ask that he blesses us with the wisdom and the discernment to make the right choices, not the wrong choices, uh, for the glory of his name and glory be to God forever. Amen.